It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero. It's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's uh, to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event, which is this Saturday, October 21st. It's an HBO event. Uh, I want you there. You know why? Because I'm going to be ringside. I'm going to be ringside watching that fight. Uh, at the beautiful uh, Turning Stone Resort and Casino. Get yourself some tickets right now uh, by visiting uh, our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the Turning Stone fight poster slash banner, uh, which you can't miss. It's uh, on the uh, right-hand side. Uh, And uh, get yourself some tickets. Drop me an email and uh, let me know uh, where you're sitting. And uh, I'll come over and uh, have a scotch or two with you. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molyneux, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can literally get a copy of it right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Uh, Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. Uh, Just visit our webpage. Uh, www.billycboxing.com and click on the book. It's there. And by the way, if you're coming up to Turning Stone, drop me an email. Let me know. I'll make sure I have one for you. Now, I've been telling you uh, for October uh, because, uh, well, because uh, my uh, mind uh, had a little lapse. It happens. It happens when you get to be my age. You know, Uh, I ordered uh, twice as many books as I needed. uh, So you guys are going to benefit uh, all you got to do is uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. And uh, I will send you a signed copy of my book anywhere in the United States, including shipping for 20 bucks. It's only good to the end of this month. I can only do it so much. So uh, if you want to take advantage of that, early Christmas gifts, whatever, uh, drop me an email. Um, Coming up uh, on the show a little bit later, uh, we will have uh, Dax Khan giving us his thoughts on the fights this weekend. Um, they all went as expected, pretty much. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But today's 
uh, big topic for me is uh, Deontay Wilder. You know, Deontay Wilder uh, was in the, I shouldn't say it's the big topic because uh, some of the other uh, uh, fights, some of the fights that took place uh, this weekend, I, I clearly uh, want to talk about. But um, tonight, uh, last night, uh, today, uh, today, uh, I, I want to talk about a comment made by Deontay Wilder. Uh, Deontay Wilder uh, had a meet with uh, uh, some uh, press uh, to dis, uh, to talk about his uh, upcoming fight, which is November 4th against Berman Stavern. Uh, in case y'all forgot, he was supposed to fight Luis Ortiz, a fight that we all wanted to see, but then uh, all of a sudden Luis Ortiz uh, tests positive, uh, apparently, uh, allegedly, and uh, Deontay Wilder once again, uh, instead of fighting a, a top fighter, uh, fights uh, Berman Stavern, who, uh, no disrespect to Stavern, he, he had, uh, he's a former world champion, but he hasn't fought in two years. Um, you know, Deontay Wilder says, the best are supposed to fight the best. He says, I'm the most frustrated guy around. He says, I don't understand. The best are supposed to fight the best, right? I've always done that. I've called Vladimir Klitschko out years ago. I got some more comments from uh, Deontay Wilder. Uh, but first, uh, joining me right now from St. Simon's Island to get his thoughts about Deontay Wilder saying that he's supposed to, heavyweights are supposed to fight, all fighters, the best are supposed to fight the best. He says, I'm the most frustrated guy around. I don't understand. The best are supposed to fight the best, right? I've always done that. Joining me right now with his thoughts on uh, whether or not Deontay Wilder has always fought the best, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, hey, your thoughts there, uh, Mr. Counterpoint. Well, there you go again. I'll tell you, Bill, I, I, you know, I'm starting to believe you with Deontay Wilder, uh, just uh, his rhetoric and stuff, because I, I don't think he's fought the best just yet. And, um, you know, that's the whole thing that we're waiting to see. And... You know, I, I think if he uh, fought a Klitschko or if he wants a man up and, and fight Anthony Joshua, uh, even some of the other guys out there that uh, that uh, we uh, we hoped who have seen him in the ring already, uh, then, then he could pound his chest a little bit. But, um, you know, like I said, we, we, we both agree that this guy believes possibly his own press clippings and, and rhetoric. But, uh, you know, I don't think he's been in the ring with the best just yet. There's no way. I mean, I, that's, that's, that's being kind, you know, I'm kind, and, and, I'm kind. and I, I mean, even uh, forget going after Anthony Joshua. I'll obviously there's uh, politics involved with that. Um, you know, at, at least, um, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, obligations to mandatories, et cetera, et cetera. And Wilder himself, you know, he had some obligations for mandatories. Um, but uh, but he certainly hasn't fight, fought the best. I mean, you know, if you want to give him credit for three fighters on his resume, Stavern, which uh, we all know the best win on his career was Chris Ariola. Um, Ator Spitzka, I do give him credit for. And maybe even Chris Ariola, the same guy who who's washed up. I mean, I, those are the only close guys. Uh, for being even even in the top contender overall, top contenders, and I'm talking top ten. Um, there's no way he's fought the best. He goes on to say, "What other heavyweight is doing what I do? What other heavyweight has power like me? I don't have to put you out in punches and bunches. 
I don't have to do that. One punch, good night. I'm happy that I've had time to calm down and think about things. I'm happy that I'm fighting Stavern because he's my mandatory. I can finally get him out of the way, so I'll be a free man. This is the story of my life. Every situation that I'm put in, I try to be optimistic about. It's easy to appreciate the good, but when the bad comes, some people don't know how to manage that. He says, people, well, well. before I, I, I read this last one, uh, the last part of his comment, um, you know, I, it, it, I feel bad for, for Deontay Wilder, Sal, and, I, and I'll tell you why. He believes that he's the best. He's, drink, he's drank the Kool-Aid that people have been uh, feeding him. He, he's, he's listening to all the BS stories that they put in his ear. Um, I respect him for having the confidence that he obviously has. But he is clearly uh, delusional. Uh, he may have punching power. There's no doubt about that. But like I always say, are you the best? If, you, if you're a sports team and you play the worst team, are you the best if you go undefeated? Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. What's your thoughts on, on his last uh, block of uh, comments? Well, like I said, I, I think you and I do agree. I think he's got some ability and some talent. Uh, I think he's got that punching power. I think when he can rise to the occasion and he's in against a, a real quality world-class opponent that that, uh, that he has not faced yet, I think he's going to rise to the occasion. I think he will do well. Uh, but I don't think right now, thus far in his career, has he fought the very best yet. And uh, so I'm not uh, downing his opportunity and ability, but I do believe he does in his heart of hearts believe that he is sincerely the best uh, heavyweight on this planet. Uh, I don't think that's quite the case. I do think he's he's better than what maybe a lot of people give him credit for, but I don't think we've seen it yet. So, you know, I, I, I can't blame a guy for, for uh, having confidence, but to really tout and say and suggest that you are the best and the baddest and you faced everybody that they put in front of you and, and uh, everyone's ducking and running, that's that's unbelievable rhetoric, and I don't go for that. Well, he has fought and beat everybody that's been put in front of him. Well, yes, that we got to give him credit yes, for. Yes, yes. But, but the level of opposition that he has fought is less than stellar. And for him to think that no other heavyweight is doing what he does, as a matter of fact, Dillian White is a guy that I would have liked to have seen uh, Deontay Wilder fight. Um, he's done very similar to what uh, uh, Deontay Wilder has done. Uh, and so, for that matter, has Joseph Parker. I mean, both of these guys have fought hand-picked uh, opponents, just like Deontay Wilder. Um, you know, I, if he wants to see something impressive, all he's got to do is look at the guy who's the best heavyweight in the world today, and that's uh, AJ, Anthony Joshua. You know, Deontay Wilder should have fought uh, Luis Ortiz no matter what. Should have said to the WBC, I don't need your belt. I'm fighting Ortiz because a win over Ortiz would have catapulted him in um, to any other uh, sanctioning body in, into a, a, a title shot if he had lost his WBC belt, which I don't think would have happened. Uh, finally, he says, and, and this this is the, the most important part of his comments, Sal. And I think that I'm reading something between the lines here. Now, I don't know. Uh, Deontay yeah. Wilder seems like a good guy uh, from that, a personal that. basis. I, I don't know how smart he is. 
I, I really don't, and I don't mean that in a negative way because I honestly don't know if he's a smart guy or not. Um, but this could be an indication. This this comment could have been could be an indication that he is pretty smart and he does know what's going on. He said, and I quote. People make so many excuses for my career. The one who is actually trying to make a legacy out of their career, he's the only one that's not complaining. The people who don't have to get in the ring and endure this suffering are the ones that are complaining. Um, I'm wondering what he meant by that. Um, I'm thinking that the one who is actually trying to make a leg legacy out of their career, that's him. That's he's it. saying he, he's yes. the one that's not complaining. The people yes. that don't have to get in the ring and endure the suffering are the ones that are complaining. That's guys like me, guys that want him to fight real, uh, real uh, uh, fights. But the, the, the line that started off this comment, people make so many excuses for my career. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a little... I'm a little uh, that's I, a I, heavy I, statement. I, well, I don't know what he means by that. Does well, he mean people like the fans... Does he mean his management? Does he mean the powers that be, the sanctioning bodies, not giving him an opportunity to fight the Luis Ortizes because of, uh, of uh, you know, alleged uh, uh, testing positive? I mean, you know, is this guy finally at the edge of his rope with his own team? Does he really behind closed doors say, hey, I do want to fight the best. I do want to prove that I'm the best or at least find out if I am or if I'm not. And his team, because they got their claws in him and they're using him as a cash cow, don't want to uh, expose him. Heavy statement. Well, how do you see it? That is a heavy statement. And, and you know, I'm like I said, I, 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 I respect him. I like him. I believe he thinks he really is the best, and I think he's also one that uh, would jump in a ring uh, if, if the, his team would let him. So maybe he's he's talking about his team. Maybe he's talking about the promotion. Maybe he's talking about everybody else uh, that are making excuses or or not having the opportunity to put the deals together, ironically, uh, which falls apart or just doesn't happen to be the way that the fans would like to see it go. I don't know. That's a heavy statement. Um, I I would just like to see him take control, come out, being proactive, and call out some of these big names that that uh, that he may not be having the opportunity to get in the ring yet. That's what I would like to see. It's well, it's it's a tough it's a tough one to answer, Bill. I mean, that's a heavy loaded statement, and he he could mean several entities. But uh, you know, I'd like to think that he's calling out his own staff, his own team. But uh, you know, that might be a little bit too too uh, too lifted for that. I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, I think he may be calling out uh, not only his own team, uh, but maybe his sanctioning body that he wears yeah. the belt for. Um, you know, listen, you can only you, you can only be held accountable for the fighters that are available to you while you fight. This is a discussion right. that's always thrown in people's face. Oh, well, he's not that good. He didn't he didn't fight a guy like so and so back in those days. Well, you can't resurrect those guys. You can't go back in time. You, you can only fight the fighters that are currently fighting while you're fighting. But the issue here for me is that he's not fighting the top guys. I don't want to see a fabricated 
top 15 contender to satisfy a sanctioning body. We were laughing the other day at uh, at the WBC's top 15 fighters, uh, you know, who because they eliminate uh, other fighters from other sanctioning bodies, etc. And they're left with, you know, a collection of guys that are, are not anywhere near uh, world contender status, in my opinion. So, so, you know, Deontay Wilder's in a tough position. I get it. You know, I know that he's uh, got obligations to the World Boxing Council, the WBC, if you will. Uh, but, uh, but listen, you know, the guy pounds his chest. The guy says things that he, he's the best out there. The guy says no one does things like him. No one, uh, you know, has power like him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he hasn't backed it up. It, it's the same crap that came from David Hayes' mouth when he chased Klitschko all around the world and said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, wait till I get you in the ring. And then the bell rings, and he runs like a, like, a, like a scared chicken. You know, he runs. Then he has the audacity to put his foot up on the podium to show that he broke his widow toe. I mean, come on. You know, I, it's the same. You know, Deontay Wilder, it's time for him to put up or please just shut up because, uh, you know, you can't put Stavern in the same category as Luis Ortiz as, and Joseph Parker, let me tell you something. Joseph Parker is no world beater, but at least it has a belt. He, he's a, he would pose a challenge. I would be impressed if Deontay beat Joseph Parker, wouldn't you? Oh, gosh, yes. I, I, I would be impressed by that, yes. And uh, I'm not saying he can. I think it would be a good fight. Oh, I, I think, think he uh, can. I think he can, just like the little train that could. The little train that could. I think he can. I think he can. <laughs> You know, I I, I think he can, you know, but, 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 but no, but, but at least he has that. You see, he, in today's boxing landscape, it's all about maneuvering and it's all about, you know, what you have, what's your bargaining power, what do you bring to the table, what's your drawing power, et cetera, et cetera. Deontay Wilder sings the tune like he's the man, like he's the guy everybody wants to see. And he's not. He doesn't have uh, the same clout, in my opinion, as AJ. So what would even those uh, that playing field, what would even the score? Well, something real simple. If Deontay Wilder could pick up that WBO strap, which, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not suggesting it. it's anything more than some bargaining power. Now, Deontay Wilder would have two belts just like AJ. Now, maybe Deontay Wilder could demand that the AJ fight be held in the U.S. or, or you know, based on his demands, et cetera, et cetera. But as you look at it right now, I got news for everybody. You know, and I don't care if you're related to Deontay Wilder. The guy who's got all the chips, the guy who's got it in his hands, the guy who makes all the moves and the decisions is AJ. AJ's the best heavyweight on the planet today. Deontay Wilder may not even be the second best. May not even, if he keeps fighting these slugs, Sal, how could you even suggest that he's the second best? Well, that's the whole thing. You can't. And, you know, these guys, they've got to realize the, the way they're going to be touted as being the best is they've got to get in with the fans are looking for and fight the best. And, you know, how many times I talk about this uh, over avid fight fans, uh, older guys that, that, that remember the glory days of boxing. And, you know, they, they tell me, they talk to me, they say to me every day, I got my finger on a pulse with all this whole thing. There's there's those that are optimistic, like what they see in today's game. They see it coming around. But some of the old timers, they just say, hey, Sal. 
the game. It, it loses my interest. I mean, these guys, uh, you know, they take the fans for being uh, take them for granted for being uh, aloof or stupid or not paying attention. You know, they they're tired of seeing the guys not uh, trying to fight each other and doing this. They understand. They understand the concept of of maneuver being maneuvering some of these fighters away from the top opposition to elongate their careers on the top spot as a commodity and everything else. So some of these fans are very astute and they uh, pay attention to this, and that's what frustrates them as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I think that there are also fans that buy into all the the bs you know oh, yeah. and, and yeah. it's and it's a shame it's a shame and uh, by the way if you're watching on our simulcast on facebook live um you know if you want the full version of the show the full video version come on over to billycboxing.com and and watch it there or go to our youtube uh, uh channel youtube.com slash talking t-a-l-k-i-n boxing b-o-x-i-n-g it's a much better uh, video experience and uh, the quality is 10 times better uh, uh, than the Facebook stream uh, but anyway that's FYI some fights this weekend Sal uh, I want to get to uh, uh, right after we take a short break um, but uh, but one thing I do want to get uh, people caught up with here uh, real quick to get it out of the way is some other sports uh, in Major League Baseball the uh. Uh, National League Championship Series uh, yesterday, the Dodgers beat the Cubbies four to one. The Dodgers take a two uh, to nothing lead uh, to uh, earn their spot in the World Series. Now, over in the uh, American League Championship Series, the Astros uh, had beaten uh, the Yankees in two close games so far to take a two nothing lead. Uh, that third game uh, comes back to New York uh, tonight, uh, starting at eight p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Charlie Morton is on the mound uh, starting for the Astros going up against CC Sabathia. Now, just remember, uh, for all the people that dislike the Lan- Yankees, like myself, um, they did uh, start off at uh, 2-0, and uh, dry, you know, down two games to none uh, oh, to the Cleveland Indians and uh, came back to win that series. So don't count them out yet. They are at home, and uh, we, uh, we will see a, a really good pitching matchup tonight. Now, over in the NFL... The Falcons lose the second consecutive game to the Dolphins. You know, I've been being a longtime Jet fan. I was never a big Dolphin fan, but since I did so many, since I have been doing so many events uh, in the South, specifically Florida and St. Simons, I, I've become kind of a Dolphin fan. So I, I don't really hate the Dolphins as much as I used to as a kid. Dolphins beat the Falcons twenty to seventeen. The Vikings over the Packers twenty three ten. Big uh, loss for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, maybe out for the season. Uh, the Saints, uh, 52 to 38 over the Lions. Uh, the Redskins beat the 49ers, 26-24. 49ers, you know, they they they're still struggling. They're still uh, fighting hard, but uh, looking for that elusive win in overtime. The Bears uh, beat the Ravens, 27-24. Uh, the Texans beat the Browns, 33-17. What can I say about Deshaun Watson? This kid was the steal of the draft. Uh, Clemson quarterback won a national title is lighting it up uh, in the NFL as a rookie three touchdowns uh, yesterday for uh, the Texans the Cardinals 38 33 over the Buccaneers Um, (laughs) I I gotta give him credit but uh, Fitzpatrick uh, one of the worst quarterbacks ever um, threw three touchdowns yesterday uh, when uh, 
when the starting quarterback for the Bucks went down, uh, but uh, the Cardinals prevailed 38-33. The Rams over the Jaguars, 27-17. The Steelers took care of the Chiefs. The Chiefs were the only unbeaten team in the NFL. Not no more. They dropped to 5-1 and because the Steelers beat them 19-13. Uh, the Chargers beat the Raiders 17-16. The Giants won their first game yeah, over the, over the yeah. Broncos. The Giants now are 1-5, 23-10 over the Broncos. And the Jets, you know, I, listen. Man, the Patriots you. beat the Jets 24-17. But let me tell you this. The Jets should have won that game. Forget the bad call. The bad call that, that the referees stole a touchdown from the Jets. I still don't understand how that happened. The ball never hit the ground. Um, why they called it a fumble, I don't know. Uh, yes, it was moving around, but he already hit the pylon. But anyway, um, let me just say this about the Jets. I don't want to single out anybody. I'm not going to say that that uh, McNown is a dumb idiot because I, you know, I do think he is not the sharpest tool in the shed. He he just stands there like uh, Herman Munster uh, getting sacked when he should just get rid of the ball. But but with all that said, and and not not taking anything away from Brady and the Patriots. With all that said. The Jets coaching staff is by far the worst in the NFL. Any team that takes their foot off the gas, especially against the Patriots, in the first half, the Jets let all that momentum swing back to the Patriots because they started just all of a sudden trying to run the ball when they knew they couldn't, and they changed their game plan. Why they didn't go for the throat uh, in that first half, I, well, I'll never know. And as far as the Jets' defense, they're uh, stupid. Todd Bowles... Uh, uh, head coach who's a defensive-minded guy. This team can't stop a nosebleed. That defense was overrated going into the season, and they're living up to those expectations now. Awful, awful loss, and I don't care that they played. Oh, they played well. This isn't Pop Warner, boys and girls. This is the NFL. You got to win. I got to take a break. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, and speaking of being with us, how about uh, joining me this weekend up at the beautiful Turning Stone Resort and Casino? Uh, their next boxing event is going to feature an HBO card. And I'm going to be ringside, and I want you to be ringside to get yourself some tickets. Uh, visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the Turning Stone Fight Poster, which you'll see on the right-hand side. Uh, get yourself some tickets and uh, come on up and enjoy yourself up at the Turning Stone. I'm here with uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And a uh, little programming note for you guys. Uh, we will not be doing a live show tomorrow, uh, unfortunately. Uh, we won't be able to, but we'll be back the rest of the week, man. So uh, anyway, hey, Sal, uh, we got some fight results to talk about. So uh, let's get going right Yes, with that. we do. Uh, first and foremost, uh, on... Uh, well, I'm going to say is this. Mario Ronaldo is the worst, man. He's the absolute worst commentator that this sport has ever seen. The worst. I've heard you say that I, I know, I, I know. It's shocking. It. But this guy, 
I I I I can't. You know, uh, listen, Al Bernstein, Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. This, this, this guy, Best. in my opinion, is the best commentator uh, that boxing has today. Uh, Paulie Malignaggi, as much as I can't stand his Fran Drescher slash the nanny voice, it's so irritating. The guy is is knowledgeable. But these no, two I like men, Paulie. yeah. But these two men, Sal, Paulie and Al, are being just—they're being—it's—it's uh, it's like a computer term, truncated. They're—they're they're, they're just being wiped out from Ronaldo. This guy, all he concentrates on is trying to come up with these. These stupid things. I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I mute it. I can't listen to him anymore. I don't know what he's doing in the back room uh, to the execs to get him his spot. But this guy is a clown. He is ruining uh, the sport of boxing. And Showtime, you know, they already have Jim Gray, who, I, you know, uh, I have no respect for him. I, I, I wouldn't even piss on him if he was on fire. Uh, but uh, this Ronaldo is, is terrible. Anyway. With that said, um, there were uh, uh, some fights in Brooklyn uh, on Showtime this past weekend. And uh, like I said on Friday, Erickson Lubin uh, was just uh, demolished uh, by uh, uh, Jermel Charlo uh, (laughs) at 2 minutes and 41 seconds of the first round. You know, I got to be honest with you. Um, Lubin looked a little bigger than I thought he would. The Charlo brothers are huge. Um, and you know, this, I really can't put my finger on if they're good or not, aside from just being, you know, uh, in with fighters that are, um, you know, they're overmatched, uh, against, you know, uh, like Lubin was clearly overmatched, uh, with Charlo. He just didn't have this, the experience, you know, Charlo, uh, improved to 30 and O and, uh, Lubin 18 and one, uh, that right hand that that put out uh, uh, Lubin, I didn't see it. I mean, I watched it a hundred times. I mean, it it almost looked like it hit the body, but it must have caught him right yeah. on the corner of the chin. Did you were you able to see that uh, punch yeah, in the I replay? Yeah, I did see that. And I it was just a that. short I thought, shot. I, I thought it, it, it. He was either down and caught him on the chin, uh, uh, a combination of his chin down, maybe in the body and the upper chest that put the chin. And I think he just snapped his head. That's what that's what put him out. And uh, you know we we've seen it before. The, these these guys, uh, uh, like we saw Sammy uh, Hurricane, same class as uh, this guy, coming up uh, with a nice record and stepping up to the level, and bam, getting squashed immediately within three rounds, four rounds. That's what happened to Lubin. I mean, he just was. Hey, I give the Charlo brothers credit. I think they're good. I think they're for real, and I, I like them. I'm a fan of the Charlo brothers. They come to fight, whether they have this world class skill set uh, or not. They have displayed good skill and passion and heart uh, thus far. So I'm, I'm a fan of the Charlo brothers. Yeah, and and you're a fan of them because they're matched with fighters that don't stand a chance with them and you're you're a fan of them because they're in with fighters that are half their size i mean so basically you like bullies is that what you're saying sal (laughs) absolutely i think the bullies at a play yard should be no come on bill no i think they're talented i think they have an opportunity to really show what they possess and uh, i think we're going to see that in the future with their careers as they step up i think they're pretty much uh you know at a place where they uh they can warrant their their skill set i'm i'm telling you i think they're good i think they're good fighters i, I just I, you know what sal i just go back to what i always say 
You can't judge a fighter on how good they are until they fight another good fighter. And, you know, they just, they're in overmatch. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Erickson Lubin no. because Erickson Lubin uh, was a quality fighter. It's just that he never had the opportunity to really fight a world-class fighter, um, a top world-class fighter, a real-world-class mm -hmm. fighter, to prepare himself for not only the big stage, but for a bigger opponent in Jermel Charlo. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not discrediting either Charlo brothers skill set. It's no. just that it's time that we get back to real weight divisions. I, I, if somebody really think 154, are you telling me these guys he, he weigh 154? Like they man. look like monsters in <laughs> he there. Look like they, a I mean, come on. They look like monsters. Every guy on this card. I'm going to go through this. Even Jared Hurd looked like a monster. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, did, you know, Bill, these I, guys, they, these are not real weight classes anymore. I, I want to know. I can't stand I, it, Bill. What, what the hell? I mean, I, it's just, it, you know, I, you know, all That's I'll why say they is. they got to go back the same day weigh-ins. Listen, I, I look at it this way. You know, uh, the Charlo brothers, uh, like a lot of Mexican fighters, uh, have a have the knack for being able to dry themselves out and lose a lot of weight. You know, that gives them an, an advantage. I get it. You know, uh, who knows what long-term damage they're doing to their bodies. I mean, the size of these guys. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, Tommy Hearns was a big fighter. But oh, when you yeah. looked at Tommy Hearns, he had these chicken legs. You know, he had yes. he was like from his waist up. He, he looked like a sheet of plywood and all of this. And, you know, but these guys are big from their toes all the way up to their heads. You know, their legs are tree trunks. Their bodies are huge. You know what I mean? And, and you're telling me that they're 154 pounds. I mean, come on. Come on. I, I don't know, man. I, you know, listen, Jermel Charlo improved to 30, and 0 with 15 knockouts. He destroyed Erickson Lubin. He said, and I'm talking about Charlo, said that Lubin didn't deserve a shot against him. And I agree with Charlo. He didn't. And he made it look obvious that he didn't. So, you know, who's at fault here? You can't blame Lubin for taking the fight because, or his team because I've made, as a manager, advisor, promoter of fighters, etc., I have always followed two rules. You never turn down a huge money fight, and you never turn down a world title shot. And Erickson Lubin got both in this fight. And I don't, you know, discredit him or his team for taking the fight. But, geez, uh, how about his safety? It didn't look good when, when he, you know, his leg and his arm was sticking straight up in the air like Alfalfa's head do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. I know, but I, I mean that 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 punch snapped his neck, and boy, he went down. And I'll tell you, he didn't know where he was for a while. And uh, yeah, that's that's we you you've got to always credit, you know, when you have somewhat punching power, that's an equalizer in any fight, and that can turn a fight and end a fight in any any one round, any any round. And uh, you know, Charlo brothers, they uh, they have a little pop on their punch, and uh, that's what I'm saying. They they landed, and this one uh, was effective. And Lubin, you know, hey, now we'll see what he's made of, and he'll get back up and see if he can climb back in the ring and how he feels and what he looks like in the future. But uh, as we we said, you know, uh, Charlo brothers and Jermel did a decent job. Had to do what he did. He got rid of him quickly, and he did. I give him credit for that. Yeah. Well, and Brooklyn, Brooklyn, by the way, has been coming, has been 
becoming over the years uh, a great fight mecca and nice venue. And uh, it proved to be again this past weekend. We're going to take a short break. I will be back in two with uh, the rest of the major fight results uh, coming your way. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and be with me on uh, this weekend, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I forgot which day I'm going up there. Journey Stone Resort and Casino, HBO Boxing Event. Be there or be square. That's an old saying. Get yourself some tickets right now uh, by visiting uh, our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on uh, the Turning Stone banner. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about uh, Jermel Charlo's uh, annihilation uh, over uh, Erickson Lubin this uh, past uh, Saturday night. The two other uh, junior middleweight ha-ha, fights that were on the card. Was Ursandy Lara, he improved to 24 wins, two losses, and a couple of draws with 14 knockouts when he beat uh, previously unbeaten Terrell Gashua. Uh, in uh, a 12-round one-sided fight, 116-111 and 117-110 twice with the way the judges scored it. Um, Lara also dropped uh, uh, Goshua in the fourth round. Listen, Sal, this fight didn't go any way different than what we talked about. Terrell Goshua, no disrespect to him, uh, was a great amateur, um, hasn't had the success as a pro, but what I saw in this fight is exactly why no one wants to fight Arslandy Lara. Um, number one, he's a hard fight fighter to fight. I mean, he makes everyone look bad, but he, he won't deviate from his style. And, you know, he, he's not an exciting fighter. And, and that's why there's not a big demand for him. It's, it's kind of a shame, but you can't deny how good he is. No, he's a good, effective fighter. He's very methodical. He he sticks to his game plan, and, uh, you know, he dismantles his opponent one by one. And, you know, like I said, he, and you said, he's not exciting, but he's effective, and he's going to uh, continue to display. We haven't seen him deviate too much from his game plan or style, and, and I don't think he has reason to. If he keeps winning, you know, he's doing something right. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah, uh, but, you know, here's the, hey, speaking of reinventing, one of the things that aggravated the hell out of me during the broadcast of these fights was the inaccuracies from the commentators. And it wasn't just Showtime and those bozos. It was the other uh, network, too, which we'll get to in a second. Yes. You know, yes. they kept referring to Lara as the sweet science. The sweet science, hit and not get hit. The sweet science, hit and not get hit. That's not the definition of the sweet science. It pisses me off that a lot of people, especially commentators, and, and uh, you know, non-knowledgeable fans have drank that Kool-Aid to believe that hit and not get hit is the definition of the sweet science. It's not, boys and girls. It's only part of the definition. You got to hit and not get hit, but still be in position to land damage or inflict damage on your opponent. Running, uh, Throwing a punch and running to the other end of the ring is not the sweet science. Now, I'm not saying Lara did that all night, but there were some times when... 
he wasn't in position to throw a punch either. Now, uh, Ursandi Lara does, uh, just like Rigondeau, does uh, stay in the pocket. And he did it a little bit uh, against Gashua on uh, Saturday night. But not enough for me. I think that Lara, a guy who wants these big fights, Sal, needs to be a little more entertaining. I mean, you know, when the powers that be sit down and they try to make these fights, one of the, uh, one of the things that they look for is how entertaining is it going to be? Is it going to be entertaining enough to get people to watch it? And, the, you know, Lara has this reputation of being a boring fighter. Anytime you put his name uh, on a bill... It doesn't, you know, equate to, to, hey, it's exciting. Mike Tyson was on a bill. That's an exciting fight. Even Manny Pacquiao, that's an exciting fight. I mean, uh, Anthony Joshua, knockouts. Deontay Wilder, knockouts. I mean, these are things that you're you're looking forward to when you hear these names. Or Sandy Lara, <laughs> what do you think? Well, you hit it on the head. You're right. Like I said, you're a commodity. And uh, if you're not marketable, if you're not exciting, if you're not what the fans want to see and come out for and recognize – you're gonna be, um, you know, you're gonna be doing your thing. You're gonna be moving along, but you know, your drawing power is not gonna be that of of a knockout artist or or as a warrior, or as somebody that that is exciting to watch. And you know, that's that's you can't help how some of these fighters evolve in their styles, and you know, especially if they keep winning, uh, you know. And I can't I can't down it. I mean, same thing with with Mayweather. He had his fan fans base and his following, and you know, we know that he wasn't the most exciting fighter to watch. Um, you know, it was usually a bull in with a matador when uh, he would move and and out of the way. He wasn't in a position, and uh, you know, he just just would roll the shoulder and come over, and you know, he he confused his opponents and wore him down. I can't knock him. He was a, a ring general. He knew how to uh, uh, assess and counter his opponents, and that's what he figured out uh, in the first couple of rounds. And and you know, so Lara is similar in that style. Uh, and he's not overly exciting. I don't think he'll change to, to either, ever really be that great, like, exciting fighter to watch. But he'll win. Yeah, well, yeah. you know. Uh... <laughs> you know, but I know what you mean, Bill. You got you to gotta create some excitement, and people want to see that, and that's what they pay for. Um, and finally, uh, another uh, fight on this card that uh... – Really, really demonstrated uh, that the junior middleweights are no way as near junior middleweights anymore. And <laughs> IBF uh, junior middleweight, ha-ha, Jared Hurd uh, scored a 10th-round stoppage over Austin Trout uh, due to uh, his eye. Uh, the ring uh, doctor uh, stopped that fight. I mean, you got to remember when you – his eye was bad, but you got to remember in New York – uh, you're getting a full physical in between rounds now. Uh, 96, 94, twice, 97, 93, uh, with the way the uh, uh, judges had it uh, during, uh, uh, during, you know, at the time of the stoppage. Um, my thoughts on this fight uh, was that uh, Jared Hurd, uh, you know, he, he's, he was just really big, Sal. I mean, he was just a big guy. Uh, uh, I thought Austin Trout was was winning the fight. I I don't know if I um, a, agree with the ninety seven ninety three maybe ninety six ninety four for Hurd uh, because of uh, once the eye started closing up, uh, but uh, the early rounds uh, seemed to be going uh, Austin Trout's way. His counter punching, uh, his attack, his movement uh, for the bigger guy was all uh, uh, was all impressive, and, and he was landing some hard punches, but. 
I think the size mattered uh, in this fight. I mean, uh, the smaller guy couldn't couldn't get to Hurd. I, I would be curious to know how big Hurd, how much he weighed for that fight. I mean, this was a great example. Uh, you know, Austin Trout, junior middleweight. Uh, Jared Hurd, a junior middleweight. I mean, he looked like a cruiserweight. His legs were the size of tree trunks. His back, I mean, his height, his head. His head looked like the uh, Manny Pacquiao's head, uh, uh, you know, when everybody was accusing him of juicing. Um, I, I just, you know, I would like to see real weight classes again. Um, you know, if, if, if your body can dry out, you get the edge. I don't know if that's so fair. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Hurd remains undefeated, 21-0 with 15 knockouts. Austin Trout loses again. He drops to 30-4. and four. What was your thoughts on that one? Well, I think, as you said, you know, it, it was a uh... – you know, it looked like it was going to be somewhat competitive, and, and Trout came out, and, uh, you know, Hurd, just a big guy. And, you know, Bill, I, I'd be curious. They should take a, a, a pre-fight weigh-in just for the heck of it. But, I, you know, it, it'd be something to see the outcry if the fans had any influence or anything to say if they knew that, uh, well, this guy is 25 pounds heavier than what he should be or what he was the day before. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just ludicrous. It really is, as Mike Tyson would say. And uh, Trout, you know, I, I think he put up a good effort. But uh, as we said, you know, Heard, uh, he was a big guy to try and dismantle. And uh, he came up uh, in the end, obviously. Um, over uh, on uh, earlier in that Saturday night, uh, Leo Santa Cruz, you know, I, he, he improved to 34-1 and one with a draw. 19 of his wins coming by knockout when uh, he scored an eighth-round stoppage over Chris Avelios. Uh, who drops to 27 and 6. Um, Thomas Taylor was the referee, uh, jumped in and stopped the fight at 1 minute and 34 uh, seconds of the eighth round. Uh, yes, Avelios was, uh, was taking a beating in that fight, uh, but he was fighting back. And um, I, I, I don't know if I really agree with that stoppage. Uh, here's, here's my thoughts. Uh, you know, uh, Leo Santa Cruz, as much as I love him, Sal, this is a guy that has developed such a habit of, of moving that wrist, that, that, that nervous twitch or, or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's ruining his game. It's not affecting his opponents. It's affecting Leo Santa Cruz. When, when you're moving your hand like this, he's, just too, he's doing too much. He's moving herky-jerky. I mean, all of that has to stop when he throws a punch. You know, as he's moving his hand, he can't throw a punch when his hand's moving. He's got to stop it. He, he doesn't have hand speed. He's even slowing down as he ages. Uh, the pop isn't there. Uh, it's activity and, and volume of punches that wins for him. Um, you know, that crick, uh, what they call it in baseball, they call it a crick in your swing or something like that. Um, the crick in his, his, his glove, that habit of him moving his, his glove is terrible. I, I think it's going to be the downfall of, uh, of uh, uh, Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, yes, he won. Yes, he dominated. Um, but that's going to hurt him. Uh, you know, it didn't hurt him against Chris Avellos, but uh, it will hurt him, in, I think, in his next fight. Uh, what was your thoughts of that performance and uh, well, that crick, man? Well, the crick, the crick is obvious, and and you know you mentioned that several fights ago, and uh, obviously he he has made that his habit, his his thing, and uh, you know fighters that are going to fight him could look at that and and see how they can uh, get around it and and use it to their advantage, and and I think some fighters will be doing that. I also think that. 
you know, he was dominant in the fight. I, I had him pitching a shutout pretty much, and, and I think I even gave – there was reason in a fourth round where he could have also possibly have earned a 10-8 round. I mean, he had the guy – he had Avila's uh, out on his feet. And, uh, you know, the guy is tough. Avila's was tough as nails. I mean, he's got a granite chin. You're not going to hurt him. And I think that was uh, some of the consideration that the referee possibly – was looking at because this guy was taking shots all night and I, I think obviously I think in that eighth round where he saw the cumulative blows coming and, and this and that he just said hey you know what you've been beaten every round you've been taking some big shots uh, you're not in the fight to, to come back over the next four rounds to win it so unless you stop him so I, I think he may have anticipated that hey guess what I'd rather you come back and fight another day because you're taking a lot of shots today. That's well, he, that's my thought. He could have stopped it earlier in the fight. There was a, there was a, a he could have stopped it. Well, there, there was a point. There was a point in that fight. There was a fourth round. There was a point in that fight where um, where uh, Avello survived uh, yes, around. He, he, he was almost he was almost out on his feet. I mean, that could have been more justifiable to stop it there. But th at the yes. time he chose to stop. Uh, um, Santa Cruz landed one punch, and and uh, Avellas was in a position to, to throw one back, and he jumps in 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 his face. Uh, I, I thought that the timing of the stoppage was wrong. I don't disagree with what you're saying in terms of hey, you're not going to win this fight. You know, even if you make it to the final bell, you're way beyond uh, the scorecards. I get it. I I you know I I don't need uh you know somebody to tell me that, but but I just think that the timing. You know, if, if you're going to step in and save a fighter, step in and save a fighter when he's taking a beat and not after one punch. And that's what happened Saturday night. Well, I agree with you. And I think he could have waited a little bit. But, uh, you know, what I'm saying is that from the referee's standpoint, that's probably what he did as a knee-jerk reaction. Hey, look, I just saw you take another hard shot. Hard shot. Maybe he was starting to count from the fourth round on. He said, hey, look, if I see this guy taking some hard shots, uh, next one, no matter what, I want to protect him, I'm going to jump in. I'm talking as a referee so that's probably what he did that was the indicator he said hey i just saw you take another hard shot you're not gonna you're not gonna win this fight or whatever i don't think that was right that he did it at that time as you said i would have rather him had done it maybe in the fourth round when he was eating gloves and everything else and uh, he looked like he was out on his feet or or at another point over the next uh, couple of seconds or minutes whatever it would have happened but you know the bottom line is you know, Santa Cruz did what he had to do to be dominant. It wasn't overly uh, exciting and, and, and things. And I think Santa Cruz is going to have a little trouble. You know, if he fights uh, 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 Maris or somebody again, I think that's going to be a good fight. Well, speaking of which, um, which? you know, Abner Maris improved to 31-2 and two with a draw with 15 of his wins coming by knockout uh, when he won a uh, technical decision over Andres Gutierrez. Uh, who drops uh, his second pro fight, uh, thirty-five and two now with uh, with a draw. Um, I, listen, I thought that Abnamaras looked fantastic. And I think he did. If, if, I, I love him. If Abnamaras, if, if Abnamaras steps in with uh, uh, Leo Santa Cruz next, like they're uh, talking about, I don't see Santa Cruz. And and if Abnamaras fights the same way. Uh, as he fought Gutierrez, and, and obviously Gutierrez is not anywhere near uh, Leo Santa Cruz in terms of, uh, uh, you know, quality. But if Abner Maris can fight that same way, not tire out, and be effective, and 
uh, have more punching power than uh, than Leo Santa Cruz uh, has, then uh, I, I would put my money on Abner Maris. And just one other point, you know, as far as I criticize the Showtime uh, commentating crew, the Fox Sports uh, commentating crew was no different. The main guy uh, was uh, was trying to make a reference about Maris fighting Leo Santa Cruz type, meaning. The way I took it meant that he was throwing a, a lot of punches and being aggressive and, and going in for the kill. And uh, the Latin Snake, the, who, who did a good job uh, as the color guy, kept missing. Uh, he, he was missing the point. He kept saying, well, you know, in his fight again, he thought that the, and I don't even know who the main guy was. He thought that he was referring to Marez's fight with Leo Santa Cruz. And he tried to say it a couple of times, and the Latin Snake said the same mistake over and over and over. I, you know, if you're going to call a fight, at least prepare yourself and know what the hell is going on. Before, There's nothing worse than people that don't prepare, prepare, prepare themselves before they uh, do a, a commentating gig uh, for a live event. I, I, I mean, it, it was obvious that these two guys weren't on the same page. Uh, thank God uh, Mares uh, kept the fight. Uh, you know, in, he kept control of the fight where we were talking about his performance. The only people that were missing it uh, seemed to be the commentators. But uh, uh, I loved Abner Maris's performance, and uh, I think he's going to give Leo Santa Cruz all kinds of trouble. What do you think, Sal? Well, I, I, I loved Abner Maris's uh, performance. And, you know, the guy came in. He was conditioned. He was punching combinations. He was relentless on that level. And, uh, you know, he started landing that home with that right hand. I mean, and 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 Gutierrez, his eye was open, and um, and that was a big thing to consider. And man, I'll tell you, his right hand uh, kept hitting that, and over and over and over. So it was a good call to stop the fight. I think it was in the ninth round, but uh, I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, Abner Maris, I think he's going to beat Leo Santa Cruz. He he, if he especially as you said, fights the kind of style he fought the other night. Uh, another fight on that card we got to see, and and you know what. I always love when a fighter uh, who's pretty much pronounced DOA comes back and, and wins, and that's exactly what Antonio DeMarco did. He improved to 33 wins and six losses with 24 coming by knockout when he uh, beat Eddie Ramirez uh, for Ramirez's first loss, uh, stopped him at 1 minute and 56 seconds of the very first round. Eddie Ramirez drops to 17-1 and one with 11 knockouts, and this is precisely what I'm talking about, when you put a young fighter who's been protected and coddled to an impressive record, and then you get a name in there that like Antonio DeMarco, who's retired uh, at least three or four times, who everybody assumes is, is a shot fighter, uh, and you say, you know what, we need a big name on his resume. Let's get a guy like Antonio DeMarco, who's shot, who's spent. <laughs> we'll get a win over him. He's limited. Uh, he's slow. Uh, you know, we'll, if anything, we'll get a decision over him. And Antonio DeMarco shows the world that he's not finished and, uh, and knocks the kid out. This is exactly what I'm always talking about, Sal. You can't expect a young fighter. And this is my argument with Deontay Wilder that you refuse to agree with. But the truth of the matter is, is you can't constantly put a guy in with uh, less than stellar opposition and expect him to automatically step up when the challenge is there without having been tested by a challenge that's a little step in between. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. And Eddie Ramirez found out the hard way on Saturday night. 
Well, we saw that with the Lubin. We saw that with the Mirrors. We saw that with the you know several fighters, and that that happens. And uh, you know sometimes they could deliver, sometimes they can. And like I said, I'm going to stand and say that Deontay Wilder still has uh, some of the tools that we haven't seen yet that he can uh, definitely prevail. What's in he a waiting fight. for? What's so, he waiting for? He's got the tools that we haven't seen. What's he waiting for? Yeah, I <laughs> guess he's going to surprise us all. Yeah, he's going to surprise us all. we got to get the right blueprint. Yeah, That's yeah, all. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll okay. see you break Whatever. out the tools. Whatever, yeah. Um, one other uh, fight that I wanted to mention was uh, uh, actually two other fights I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, number one in the uh, World Boxing Super Series in the super middleweight division, George Groves uh, scored a fourth-round knockout. Uh, we've seen some great knockouts in this World Boxing oh, Super Series over uh, uh, Jamie Cox, who I said this was a mismatch. I mean, Jamie Cox, uh, like Dax said uh, last week, you know, this was a guy that got on the, the bandwagon early. It's the only reason why he made it into this. Uh, George Groves is now 27-3 with 20 knockouts, sets up uh, the uh, the fight uh, with... Uh, uh, with uh, who's the other who's who's the other middleweight we want to see Eubank Jr. Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, one minute and forty two seconds of the fourth round. Uh, January will put uh, George Groves up against Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, wh- what was your thoughts on this one? Uh, I don't know if you got to see it, but what's your thoughts on uh, George Groves taking care of business? Well, and that's just what he did, and I did see the highlights of that. And he went out there, and it was a I'll tell you the fourth round. Uh, was all he needed to uh, to stop that fight with Cox, and uh, he's strong. He's a good fighter, and uh, I think we're going to see some more of him in the future, definitely. Well, jo- George Groves has been around. I mean, uh, I, I just want to see uh, him against Eubank because Eubank Jr. I, has uh, that's improved. That's going to be a good fight. Yeah, he's improved uh, big time, so uh, congratulations to him. And, and uh, here's one other thing I wanted to mention uh, about uh, uh, some fights that took place this weekend. Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson, this was a fighter that uh, most people have had pronounced dead. Um, he got brought in to fight in Germany against Francisco Piata, uh, assuming Piata would uh, just get a W. And uh, next thing you know, Kevin Johnson uh, opens up a can of whoop-ass that causes Piata's team to throw in the towel, uh, giving uh, uh, Kevin Johnson the win. The funny thing about this, now they're saying after this win, he should get a title shot. I'm saying to myself, why? Didn't he lose like four <laughs> fights in a row or something? I I, I don't know. But uh, Kevin Johnson wins. Uh, so we will uh, uh, keep you posted on that. A couple of news tidbits I want to mention. Dillian White uh, is going to be facing uh, Robert Helinas, uh, at uh, uh, on October 28th. On the undercard of uh, AJ and Cuba Pulov, White says it's been frustrating these last few months trying to get somebody to fight me. I thank Robert Helinas for stepping up, and in a couple of weeks' time, we'll fight for uh, uh, a silver belt in Cardiff. I love to fight, and I'm looking forward to being back in the ring, getting a W, and moving on to challenge uh, for a world heavyweight title. Robert Helinas said, this is a huge fight, and I'm excited about fighting the winner of uh, the thriller between White and Chisora. Chisora and I were scheduled to fight in May, but he ran. Uh, to my understanding, Dylan is not a runner, and he will stand and fight. It's a big fight for the heavyweight division, and may the best man win. Uh, we'll see. I like the fight, and I like the fact that uh, Dillian White is fighting on the undercard of uh, Anthony Joshua, uh, which uh, makes uh, uh, it interesting. Uh, they also announced uh, 
uh, IBF uh, welterweight champion Errol Spence Jr. Uh, will be making his first defense against Lamont Udummy Peterson uh, on uh, in January. Um, uh, Peterson's a tough fighter, but I would have loved to have seen Spence take on Keith Thurman like uh, these two guys are talking, so we'll see what happens there. And Miguel Kessler, talking about making a yet another comeback, uh, had to uh, postpone his comeback. You know why, Sal? Tell me why. He got bit by a lime tick, and he and he wasn't oh. able to move forward. Unbelievable. Was lime he in Lyme, tick. Connecticut? What's that? Was he in Lyme, Connecticut? That's where, that's where uh, it uh, where was. Lyme disease that's, comes That's where from. they discovered it. But anyway, yeah. I got an email to read real quick. Then we're going to take a break and have Dax Khan join us. Um, his first email is from your boy Raheem. Raheem says, Raheem, good morning, Billy C. Doing, and Raheem? Sal, it's Raheem. He says, I would love, I'd like to know if you could do a breakdown on Andre Ward's career. I think Ward was one of the best box, boxers in my lifetime and retired without a loss. Now that he's retired, how long would it take him to be in the Hall of Fame for boxing? Well, first and foremost, don't count the fact that he's retired forever, Raheem, because chances are he's not. But to answer your question, it takes five years of being out of the ring to be put on the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, breakdown and quickly of his career. Listen, no disrespect to Andre Ward. He had a great amateur career, uh, a gold medal winner. He signed with Goose and Tudor, and I think that Goose and Tudor did not promote him properly. Therefore, he was never a household name. The guy can't draw flies to a garbage convention. I think what put him on the map was the Super 6 tournament uh, way back when when he fought all the best super middleweights in the world, and nobody can criticize him for that. But when he broke his ties with Goose and Tudor and that long, drawn-out uh, process of uh, you know uh, breaking his contract with Goose and Tudor, um, he kind of became a diva, and he thought that he was the best and this and that. And again, no discredit to his uh, uh, resume, but he, he hadn't fought in, in several years uh, he became a diva. He still can't draw flies to a garbage convention. He he signed with Rock Nation, did them not well. And uh, the best fight of, of late was two fights against uh, Kovalev. So, uh, yeah, if he stays retired, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's my quick synopsis on Andre Ward. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Dax Khan will be with us, and uh, we'll be getting his thoughts on uh, on the fights from this past weekend. So uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, don't forget about joining me up at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino this weekend. Uh, HBO's next broadcast. I'll be ringside and you should be too. Because I'm going to be thirsty. I need somebody to buy me some scotches. Get yourself some tickets. Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com. And uh, click on the fight poster. 
Well, joining us right now uh, to give us his thoughts on the fights from this weekend is uh, my man Dax Khan. What's up, Dax? What's up? How's everybody? I'm good. good. How you doing, Dax? I'm doing well. How are you, Sal? Doing great, pal. Thanks. Well, you guys want to do? You want to get a hotel room? I mean, come on, you yeah, two. Yeah. Jeez. We're here to talk fight. Hey, so what was your thoughts on the fights this weekend, uh, Dax? I know, uh, I know you weren't too happy with the commentating. I wasn't. No, I wasn't happy with the commentating at all. Um, you know, it's kind of shown that why the PBC fails. I think um, you might have Joel in that chat room over there, but on um, on Twitter, you know, I'm always active on the fight nights on social media. I say, do you notice something about these PBC cards? And Joel just seemed very confused by all this. What do you mean? Then, you know, again, they don't have any sponsors. They don't have any of their own commercials. Uh, you know, they don't, it's not like a Golden Boy card where they have the Canelo Tecate uh, slot where Tecate helps fill in the space. Uh, you know, the, these uh, PBC doesn't have that. And, you know, what they're doing was they're selling to the unknowledgeable fan that broadcast was very much uh, an example you want to know who that main guy was the, you know the main guy was Sean Grande you know he's explaining things to people as if uh, this was boxing for dummies uh, he's explaining why punches are thrown um, he's explaining um, about the internet talking about Leo Santa Cruz's power oh, well the internet being the internet people are going to question Leo Santa Cruz's power why he hasn't stopped Avalos already well that's how people are and then Sergio Mora wants to come in there and say well this is because Leo Santa Cruz is this type of guy and um, several times they they stated stuff on, well, in case you haven't seen him before, guess what? If they haven't seen Leo Santa Cruz, they don't know who Abner Maris is, if they don't even haven't heard of uh, Chris Avalos, you know something? You don't have the fan base that you want and you wonder why that you're not able to excel because you're putting on fights like this and you're having to explain things simple, one by one by one like that. You're not having the boxing fans and you're not even retaining these new fans that you have in there because you're broadcasting and your commentary is so horrible, not to mention the biasness. In the Abner Maris Vince Gutierrez fight, uh, you know, Gutierrez was getting beat up horribly, a lot worse than Chris Avalos was. And Sergio Mora kept making excuses on why the fight was allowed to continue. Gutierrez. Yeah, at no point in time was even in that fight at all. But then when the Avalos fight comes, he's making excuses on uh, Avalos's chin and how good it is. And this is nothing new for him to be taking a beating like this. What that tells me is that the PBC, and I know they do for a fact, they have people, all the broadcasts have somebody that follows these social media streams. And he was getting a lot of backlash. He was getting a lot of, they were getting a lot of backlash during the Maris fight, why it wasn't stopped. And they were getting a lot of backlash on the Avalos fight, wasn't stopped. So they're out there, they're selling. They're not commentating, they're selling. And that's the problem with it. You know, you can't be a commentator and a seller at the same time, and especially when you don't have commercials. That's why the PBC is going, and it's, it's dropping quickly. Well, Dax, one, one thing. Thanks for uh, reminding me who Sean uh, Grande is because um, I think his comments were trying to educate himself on the fly. But keep one thing in mind. Um, Showtime and HBO, not to single out Showtime, uh, they're – premium cable network so they're actually i don't want to see a commercial on there and that's i tell you the truth what bugged me about what's been taking place on certain pay-per-views is that we see commercials i mean a pay-per-view you're paying extra money for a pay-per-view i don't want to see commercials where i want to see commercials are on network television like uh the fox uh, broadcast there, there were none and that's my point there were none 
They had commercials in between every round. What are you talking about? They had they, they had the network commercials. They didn't have any PBC sponsor commercials. For example, like Golden Boy during their ESPN card, they have that the Canelo and Stallone Tecate bits that you know they continue and they keep making more of them. They didn't have them. They had a commercial for a truck for a local truck dealer. And what did they do in between these? Fox was sitting there promoting the fight card that was going to be on Showtime, and they were doing breakdowns of the fighters that are going to be on there. This is why you're not generating money. Uh, you know, you have to pay for that time slot. You have to pay for these fighters. You have to pay for that venue, and you're not generating any money coming in there. All you're doing is promoting fighters that are on a premium channel for something later on but in the wait, night, and this is why the, the but, uh, ship is sinking so quickly. No, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I think, I think you're, you're missing something because they paid... They don't have to generate when when you're on when you're on network television and you're paying for the slot. The, yes, you need commercials. But when you get a series that they pay you to bring the fight, a la Showtime, and this deal with Fox, they already paid to PBC. He doesn't care if they make money or not. That's why they were promoting their next fights. The the commercial time in between is where the revenue stream comes to, but comes from. But that was going back to, to Fox in that one case. So it, it's, it's a little different, but, but I get your point. I get your point. But um, the, uh, the, the other thing, what, what I was saying about what bothers me about commercials, I don't want to see Takate or, or any other commercial during a pay-per-view. I mean, that's this kind isn't of a, a pay-per-view. No, I know it's not a pay-per-view, but I'm saying that's ESPN, even worse. Whichever the case. Well, ESPN, there. Anyway, anyway, uh, um, let, let's let's move on. The uh, the fights themselves. What'd you think? Well, the Maris versus Gutierrez fight. You know, Maris looks sensational. Um, he has not looked better in five years, in my opinion. Uh, Joel Diaz has. He seems to do wonders for fighters these days, doesn't he? I um, I, 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 I I agree with you. I think Abner Maris looked better. What the hell? If if we're gonna give the credit to the trainer, that if that's all he needed, where the hell was he for his whole career? Yeah, Joel Diaz has just really burst onto the scene over these last few years, you know, where he just seems to make every fighter, no matter what level they are, better. It's almost like not that they're the same type of trainer, but almost like a, a Manny Stewart in his later years where he takes a top-level fighter and he just makes him even better. And that's what we see with uh, uh, jo uh, Joel Diaz. Uh, you know, he beat Gutierrez, Maris beat Gutierrez every single way possible. He outpunched him. He, he turned him. He confused him. Um, he was two and three uh, levels above him in class. Uh, the eye. You know, at first, originally, that was said by uh, Jack Reese claimed it was from a punch. Later on in the fight, all of a sudden, uh, when they decide to stop it, they're saying that now all of a sudden, no, it was a butt. When they look back yeah. at the uh, the replay, yeah, you did see it was from a butt, but that should have been taken care of earlier. Everybody, including Abner Maris, was a little bit confused. And why did they keep bringing up the Yanni Gonzalez knockout? And this was the whole reason why they're saying they're going to let the fight continue, because Maris has been stopped before. Yanni Gonzalez is an elite at that point in time in his career, his best, he was an elite internet a puncher. He was a legitimate world champion against top names. He jumped on Abner Maris early. Maris wasn't prepared, and that's what happened. But instead, they keep bringing up Yanni Gonzalez, Yanni Gonzalez, Yanni Gonzalez as an excuse on why this fight was allowed to continue. Anywhere from the seventh round on, that fight could have been stopped without no complaints. This guy was taking a tremendous beating, and there was no need for him to continue to take a beating like that. He's only 24 years old. That's the type of fight that ruins a fighter's career. Yeah. I agree. Uh, he he took a beating in that, but what about the stoppage? Um, now wait, you're talking about the Gutierrez fight, right? 
Yes, yeah. Gutierrez now, and Maris. But what about, as, the, what about the stoppage with Avello? Sal and I were talking about that earlier. I could have I seen the, the referee stopping that fight earlier, but at that time that he chose, seemed kind of weird to me. What did you think? I said that, um, again, you know, I'm on social media all the time. And that's one, the one thing I post, that's an odd time to stop a fight. Uh, that fight could have been stopped a lot sooner. Chris Avalos right. is a guy who shouldn't have been in there. I said that on Friday. Sure, he's tough. He can take a great punch. But, you know, anytime he has stepped up a level, he has failed miserably. Leo Santa Cruz, something I disagree with you. I know that bothers you with the shaking of his hand. Um, you, you know, it looks like it's something that should be easily figured out. But you know something? Leo Santa Cruz throws so many punches at so many odd angles. And never does the same thing twice that shaking of the hand is almost a distraction to opponents where they actually think they're going to figure him out we've seen something in leo santa cruz on saturday night we haven't seen in the past leo was throwing those one punch bombs looking to knock uh, avalos out he's not a power puncher but he's a lot stronger than giving credit for leo santa cruz went in there to kind of make a statement as far as uh, uh, avalos they could have stopped that in the second round they could have stopped that in the third round um they stopped him in the eighth round um why because i think sal pretty much said it he was taking a lot of punches, and the referee probably had it in his head around the two before then. You know, the next time this kid doesn't look good, I'm going to stop this. And that's exactly what he did. Well, in those were two very under uh, overmatch fights. In the sixth round, when he barely made the bell, that's when he should have stopped the fight. Remember, he was taking that beating, and he was, and he didn't go down. But but I would if the referee jumped in between them, then. I don't think there's any argument, but there's going to be repercussions from the, the time that he chose. And, and I agreed with Sal, and I agree with you, of course, that the kid was taking a beating and he wasn't going to win the fight. But he needed to pick a time when, uh, you know, there was more than one. There was one punch. It was one punch. But let's be honest. This is how far his uh, punch resistance has gone, Bill and Sal. If you notice in those early rounds, the first round or second round, Leo Santa Cruz, again, who's not a huge puncher, he has respectable power, but he's more or less a valiant puncher. He jumped in, he caught Avalos I think in that second round with like a nice hook and it wasn't a uh, bone shaker. Avalos then was shaking and he was ready to go down. So that fight could have been stopped in the third round even. This kid can't take a punch anymore. He's taking too many in his career and we know when somebody, you know, when, once that, uh, that punch resistance starts to go and that nerve in the back of the head starts, you know, to have damage, that means, you know, you're easy pickings. And next time Avalos goes in there against somebody who's a harder puncher than uh, Leo Santa Cruz, I have a feeling it's going to end in a worse way. He's not going to be standing, unlike the um, the comments of Sergio Moore at the end of that saying, well, he's able to say he has Jake LaMotta pride. You never dropped me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, just just uh, to make sure you understand that Leo Santa Cruz, the, uh, the uh, thing he does with his glove, I don't think fighters, I, I don't think he does that to keep a fighter confused. And I don't think fighters are watching that and trying to time him. I think that's more of a nervous thing with him. And I think it slows Leo down. I, I think that he can't throw a punch when he's in the middle of that shake, so to speak. And he's got to stop it. I, if he could somehow eliminate that, which is impossible because he's it, it's gotten worse and worse, um, I think he would be able to get off on his punch. He seems slower than he used to, Dax. I don't know if it was just because he's aging a little bit. I mean, he's still a young man, but he doesn't throw his punches as quickly as he used to. And I think part of that is because he's 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 shaking that hand. It's gotten worse. It really has. His, his style has changed up. You know, his style has changed up. He's got a little bit of wear and tear on the body. He could be slowing down, but you know something? Abner Marez, uh, Kiko Martinez, Carl Frampton, Eric Morel, uh, Morel uh, Christian Miares, Jesus Ruiz, uh, Stefan Jamoy. 
they none none of them guys except for Frampton in that one very close fight have been able to uh, get past uh, Leo Santa Cruz. So as of right now, it's Leo Santa Cruz hasn't affected his career. It's not like an Alan Green type of guy where you know what? Before Alan Green could throw a punch, he had to check if his shoe was tight. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, but the worst part about that was when when Teddy Atlas was talking about. It. And every time I watched Alan Green after that, I'm watching his feet, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, in the Charlo fight. Well, um, one thing, though, just one thing, and you mentioned this before, Antonio DeMarco versus Eddie Ramirez. You know, DeMarco was brought in as a name to be on the prospect opponent, boost his uh, his marketability, as you stated before. But somehow, somebody forgot to give Antonio DeMarco the memo. I don't know who the secretary is. She should get a bonus for not giving him the memo because he just went in there. And people, forget. he's been in that situation so many times against monster punchers. A guy like Edwin Valero, he's been in there with... Uh, uh, master boxers like Jorge Linares, and he just capitalized on that. And they threw Eddie Ramirez in there over his head. Eddie Ramirez was just shell-shocked. He had no idea what happened. I know. And speaking of being thrown in over his head, it's exactly what happened with, uh, with, in, the, in the Charlo fight. Uh, you know, Erickson Lubin, a, a, a good fighter. I thought he was progressing along very nicely. And although I, I think the Charlo brothers, both of them, have been, you know, uh, moved correctly, I just think that at least uh, the Charlo brothers, specifically Jermel, had been on the bigger stage and fought the, the, the notch above the better competition than, uh, than Erickson Lubin had, and, and it, it showed. And I just, you know, I hope that, you know, that's the kind of punch that a, a fighter may not recover from. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm concerned for Erickson Lubin. What was your thoughts on that fight? Well, absolutely, you know, um, even Charlo himself had said, and he didn't say in arrogance, but before then, um, he said he respected Lubin's uh, confidence, but uh, he wasn't ready for a fight of the state. He hasn't been in there with enough big names. He wasn't ready for not only the fight itself, but he wasn't ready for the moment. And I agree, Lubin, his last fight, I believe he was dropped in, even though he came back and won that, or maybe it was the fight before then he was dropped in. So um, he, he had a reason to feel confident, but his team should have known. Now, uh, that point punched that Charlo. Charlo has become a very good counterpuncher, and that's exactly what he did. He caught him with that uh, that hook uppercut type of uh, punch that landed behind the ear of Lubin. And when that happens, what it does is, uh, for people who don't understand how, how that nervous system works, um, what, there, there is behind there, there's a vestibular nerve. And when you hit that vestibular nerve, what it does is it goes into your inner ear and it short circuits your whole body. It goes down your spinal column and it short circuits everything. But it doesn't knock you out like a lot of other punches. If you realize when you looked at Erickson Lubin, he was awake. He wanted to get up but because of that vestibular nerve shooting down there it takes time for that nerve to reset itself and um, depending on how hard that nerve is hit or depending on how many times then you know what you that could be some serious damage that lasts a long time where people uh, they end up having to use canes even at a young age because they're never able to gain their balance uh, you know so uh in this term you can see erickson moving at the end of that fight he was okay but uh charlo you know definitely he's a big fighter i don't think he's the best fighter at 154 pounds but he's definitely improving and Lubin, they need to bring him back down to a lower level and they need to uh, almost like start him from over again and start building this competition up little by little instead of hand-feeding him these easy fights and then all of a sudden making him jump two, three, and four spots ahead because this will happen again. This is my whole point that I keep saying about all these fighters, you know, and especially Deontay Wilder. If you don't increase the level of opposition that these fighters fight, this is what's going to happen. And, and there are some that can overcome it, like the Charlo brothers, you know, um, who, uh, you know, were carefully moved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But 
that you know the management is to blame and when and if Deontay a guy like Deontay I keep going back to him because when and if he gets in there and you know he's got all this confidence on his bomb squad punch you know and then he gets flattened out you know can he come back from it you know but anyway it's we'll talk about that another time um in the uh, other fight uh Jared Hurd he looked monstrous, Dax. He looked like he was a cruiserweight in there. I, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the size of these guys and I'm saying, how can this guy be a 154-pounder? I mean, I'm looking at him. And sometimes, just like I've used the reference earlier with Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns was a big guy, but he was big upper body. He had the chicken legs. You know, his waist was small. Jared Hurd started from his feet all the way up. I mean, this guy was a big-ass guy, you know, and it just... It didn't even look normal that those two guys could have been even in the same weight class. And uh, when's that going to stop? When We got to have same-day weigh-ins. That's the only thing that's going to give us real true weight classes, I believe. Well, Austin Trout, you know, I was amazed when um, I covered the Austin Trout and Miguel Cotto bout. And the uh, first time I ever met Austin Trout was at um, the, the La Familia and... Um, up, up in uh, Spanish Harlem, they had a press conference, and I'm um, looking at Austin Trout next to Miguel Cotto. Cotto's not a big guy, but Trout looked huge compared to him. I'm saying, wow, this is a big 154-pound fighter. And you're definitely right. Jared Hurd looked two, three, four divisions above him. Uh, but Jared Hurd, he shows that, you know something, this kid has potential. I didn't like the way he was being schooled so easily early on. Um, if Austin Trout had a little more pop, Jared Hurd would have been knocked out early. I think the kid has some things to fix. Uh, Austin Trout, you know, he's at the tail end of his career. He's never gotten really a fair shake as a fighter. Even when he was a champion, he never got the opportunity to be the A-side. Uh, what I think here is Austin Trout is going to have to make a decision on whether or not, you know, maybe he can drop down in weight or, you know, he's going to end up being an opponent. This is the second or third loss in a row. He hasn't had a win over a top guy in a long time. Jarrett Hurd needs to go back to the uh, gym. His team needs to help fix those defensive issues. We've seen Tony Harrison have the same success with the same type of punches. Uh, Jarrett Hurd needs to work on his conditioning a little bit he did gas out in the middle of there he did get a second win but you know this kid in my opinion he does have all the potential to be the uh the star of this division once ever sandy lara retires when he retires but right now uh there's some things on him that uh he needs to fix but i think that might have been the best fight on the card in terms of entertainment yes but but i could see uh, an evenly matched fight between him and jermel charlo at that weight you got two big uh junior middleweights fighting each other but as far as there's Landy Lara uh last guy I wanted to talk about was um you know the guy is so talented but he's not interesting to watch and I think that that's what's killing him and and you know he did he did drop uh Goshua but he he didn't go in for the kill and I think that um I I think that that's what's hurting him even though I know that's not his style I get it you know but I just from the reasons why people avoid him in addition to his skill set, uh, you know, the networks might say, well, we're not so keen on Lara because he's not an exciting fighter. And and he's not. I mean, you know, I, I'm being critical of, of the uh, Charlo brothers at times, but they're exciting. Jared Hurd, we both see some uh, flaws in him, but at least he, he's ex an exciting fighter when he's throwing punches. Deontay Wilder, same thing. He's exciting. He knocks people out. Lara, technically sound, not so exciting. I agree with you. Um, 
you know, say, you know, it wasn't exciting, but, you know, I don't often agree with Mauro Ronaldo, but I did agree with him when he questioned how come fans are booing. Uh, do they not see the uh, skill level that is taking place in the ring? Um, it was much like Guillermo Rigondeaux after his 2013 fight with Nonito Donaire. He just dominated so easily. It wasn't exciting, but, you know, that skill, it's, you know, it's almost impossible uh, for the average fan to realize exactly how much skill is involved in being able to uh, defeat another fighter so effortlessly. Um, Lara, he can be exciting if he wants to. He's had some um, fights that never, he's never been, you know, one of those jaw-dropping, exciting guys, but he's had some uh, more exciting fights in the past. They just need somebody to draw out of him. It's not his fault that there's nobody out there that can't bring it out of him. Now, we hear all the time fans say, well, why should fighter so-and-so go out his way to fight fighter so-and-so when he can have an easier fight doing this and he can make less money doing that or more money fighting a step-over opponent or however you want to word it. You know, something like that is uh, can be used with a guy like Eris Landy Lara, where you know what, why should he sit there and draw himself out and bring himself into a war to please the fans, when either way he's not going to get any bigger paychecks, and you know what, he can win just as easily, and he can do uh, the art of uh, practicing, you know, the the, the the art, you know, the, the, the sweet science, he can go out there, he can hit and not be hit. Uh, Floyd Mayweather made a career out of it, he made uh, hundreds of millions uh, doing the same thing. Eris Landy Lara, maybe if he had a better uh, English, maybe if he uh, had a little bit more swag to him he'd uh, make a little bit more money, but it is what it is, unfortunately, today they don't appreciate that, I also think that's um, going to hurt the Guillermo Rigondeau and Vasil Lomachenko fight, I think a lot of the people watching that are not going to be able to comprehend exactly what they're seeing in there, they're just going to expect two guys to go in there and punch each other, there's too many fight fans today, there's not enough boxing fans as I say all the time yeah, but let's not lose lose track of uh, the sweet science. It's not just not being hit. You got you still got to be in position to hit again. And and Rigandau generally is, and so is Lomachenko. So that fight uh, that fight very well may live up to its billing. I, I think it will. And one one last thing before we let you go, George Grove set up the fight we want to see by uh, taking care of uh, Jamie Cox in four rounds. No surprise for any of us. We all knew that this was kind of a mismatch. But what does this do now as we look forward to the uh, the matchup between uh, Groves and Chris Eubank Jr.? Chris Eubank Jr. is getting better. He hasn't really been in the wars like George Groves has. Uh, but George Groves has been in there with Martin Murray, Afeder Shudnaw, Badu Jack, uh, Carl Frotch twice. He's been there with Paul Smith. You know, I don't know why anybody um, would have expected anything more. You did touch on how Jamie Cox got into this tournament. It was a first-come, first-served basis. Chris Eubank Jr., I think he's a little bit fresher, but I don't think he's actually been uh, made to... F Matter of fact, I know he hasn't been forced to go into a war that George Groves has been in so it might come down to a war of attrition or it might just come down to George Groves knowing how to control that ring a little bit better and knowing exactly when to turn it on and when not to and making Chris Eubank Jr. a little bit uncomfortable or we just may see George Groves uh, age overnight if he catches some of those big punches that's going to be an interesting fight if and when it does happen well it's going to happen so when it does happen that's going to be an interesting fight I'm looking forward to me too that's for sure Dax uh, one, we look forward to one, one, uh, one last one last and, and I created a lot of discussions and arguments this weekend over this. The conversation between Errol Spence and Keith Thurman. Oh when they were at the table this weekend and, you know, they're talking. Errol Spence has this way about him. He doesn't brag. He doesn't beat his chest. He doesn't stand up. He doesn't curse. He doesn't talk about himself in the third person. But Errol Spence looks at guys. Uh, we've seen him do it to Kel Brook and um, a lot of other guys where he says he's going to come in the ring. 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to knock you out. It's going to be man down. He smiles, this million-dollar smile, and that's all. And Keith Thurman, uh, this weekend, Keith Thurman is a guy who uh, refers to himself as the third person. He beats his chest a lot. He's called out guys like Mayweather and uh, Garcia, and he's, you know, that's what he's supposed to do. But he seemed bothered by Errol Spence this weekend. Errol Spence was so relaxed staring at him, and as Keith Thurman is talking about himself and his accomplishments, if you notice, Errol Spence's eyes never left Keith Thurman's eyes, and Keith Thurman just really seemed uncomfortable about that and he turned into the fact of well you know what um you got to come see me i'm more accomplished and i'm sitting there saying to myself okay in 2015 marcos madonna wasn't a big enough fight for you um floyd mayweather was ducking you but floyd said you know something fight errol spence and you can get a fight with me and thurman said no and then madonna and mayweather happened and spence had to get a world title now spence has a world title now you complain you have two world titles the fight is going to happen but i'm going to tell you what errol spence was in keith thurman's Head. And that's the first time I've ever seen anybody in Keith Thurman's head like that. Keith Thurman was definitely uncomfortable. Yeah, no, no doubt. And uh, uh, I agree with you there. Go ahead. D- d- go ahead, Sal. Thanks. Uh, I agree. And I'll tell you what, Errol Spence is going to beat Keith Thurman. That fight's going to happen. And I will predict Errol Spence is going to win. Dax, I appreciate uh, your time, and uh, we'll look forward to you uh, later in the week. We are not doing a live show tomorrow, but hopefully we can get you uh, and your thoughts uh, on Friday when we do the breakdowns of the other fights. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. That's uh, my man Dax Khan. Check out his column up on uh, BillyCBoxing.com. We got a couple of more emails. Um, First one I I want to uh, read is from Joel. Uh, he says, hey, Billy C., I enjoyed the first two fights of the Showtime broadcast Saturday. Lara versus Goshua was boring. Uh, of the three winners Saturday night, which two would you and Sal like to see matched up against each other? I probably would like to see Charlo versus Hurd. Uh, I honestly think that would be one hell of a fight. Well, I agree there. I think uh, physically they uh, match up well. Uh, so uh, I agree with you. Agree with Joel there. What about you, Sal? I think that's a great call, great fight to come. Um, he says, uh, not sure if you heard or even care, but Kevin Johnson upset Francisco Piata in Germany Saturday. He caused Piata to suffer a cut, then they stopped him in the seventh. Can't believe Johnson's, Johnson's still fighting at 41, let alone still pulling uh, some sort of mild upset. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, he's a tough fighter, and uh, hey, uh, when the phone rings and they offer him money, Kevin Johnson goes. So what bothered me about that fight is they got him in line for a championship fight. You know, look for him to fight Deontay Wilder next. That's that's right up Wilder's alley, a 41-year-old washed-up fighter. He says, I can't wait for Saturday's HBO card from Turning Stone. I know you'll be attending. Will they play the uh, Zahat uh, Zakiyura fight in the arena for the fans in attendance when they show the TV audience via tape? Uh, delay with the broadcast. Curious how that works. I don't think they will. Uh, we'll have a full uh, undercard that we'll be watching. I don't think they'll show that on HBO, but you never know. He says, is Sal meeting you up at the Turning Stone for this card? I think if uh, Verona found out you and Sal were both in attendance, they would sell out the crowd because uh, of the fights and uh, because of you and Sal being Hollywood as celebrities in attendance. Well, I doubt that uh, Sal and I would uh, uh, help sell any tickets, but... Uh, um, I, I don't think Sal's coming up, uh, but uh, one of these days, like he said last week, we are definitely going to do that. So uh, we're definitely Bill. We're gonna we're gonna do that. In fact, uh, 
you want to start planning some dates now. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you about that, and I'll I'll guarantee I'm going to meet you up there, and we'll do a show. We'll, Sal, we'll uh, be up there together, to watch a fight. Sal's been guaranteeing a lot of stuff. He just guaranteed that Errol Spence <laughs> was going to beat Keith Thurman. We're going to take a short break. I'll be back uh, to f- wrap stuff up in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back you're watching and listening to the billy c show glad you could join us and uh i'm here with uh, my man uh sal rocky Senicola, and uh, i got one more email for us to read here sal and uh this one uh is from my man ej not to EJ. be conf- not to be confused with aj this is ej or dj he says uh hey uh he says hey there mr c first off i gotta tell you that the show has been aces. I tell anyone that will listen about your show, but hardcores are hard are hardcores are few and far in between. Most people are still getting suckered into pay-per-view MMA weathers. But uh, he said I would rather watch paint dry for free. On a real note, I sit back and shake my head, waiting for Triple G uh, and Canelo to bang it out. I would love to see their words come to fists, especially after all the Canelo we don't F around fiasco. To me, it's still a 50-50 fight, but what do I know? Uh, He says, uh, great show, uh, guys. Well, obviously, EJ knows that they've already uh, fought uh, once before, and uh, it wasn't a definitive fight. Um, I thought that, uh, that Triple G won the fight. Uh, but when I say it wasn't definitive, it didn't end in a knockout. That's the way a fight can be definitive, Sal. Uh, Anthony Joshua did it to Klitschko. You know, people will argue and you'll always say that a fight was close. Uh, we might disagree on the outcome. We might disagree with scoring and blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you one thing you can't disagree on is when a fight ends by a knockout, case closed, fight over, move on. What do you think? Well, I think he's absolutely right. And we... we uh... We will see that fight, and as I suggested, I, I feel confident that um, when that fight does occur, I think they're familiar enough with each other from the first fight, and they both have their uh, confidence level up that they think they can handle each other, and, and uh, uh, each one feels that they could beat the other. But I do think that Triple G will come out uh, on top this time a little bit more convincingly. That's what I feel in my gut anyway. Yeah, well, you know, the only thing uh, I will counterpoint you on is the Mm -hmm. fact that uh, it'll be a little longer uh, time and, um, you know, Triple G is going to be a little older. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, we've been doing uh, the uh, boxing trivia and uh, we like to give away uh, your own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. and, And we have a really hard one. As a matter of fact, uh, you guys uh, are stumped so much that I didn't even get any attempts at answering it. Um, so uh, uh, I'm going to mix it up a little, Sal. 
as much as I want this uh, question to be answered, uh, I'm going to throw another one at you guys uh, today. Um, and, you know, you can uh, hopefully uh, I'll be able to give away another copy of the title bout uh, championship computer game. And then I will go back to the one that's stumping y'all. Today's question is, and it's a good one. And this one, this one actually could be one that uh, uh, people could find out. And if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, that's Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. And I'll announce your name on air. Here's the question, Sal. What former professional boxer went to Hollywood and became one of the Keystone Cops? What former pro boxer went to Hollywood and became one of the Keystone Cops? If you know this answer, email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. You got any ideas there, Sally? Well, I got to look at the time and the era. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to, Jack Dempsey? <laughs> uh, no, Jack Dempsey is not the correct answer. But good answer, Sal. Good answer. That was a thank good you, one. Thank yeah, you, yeah, thank no, you. No, no, no. That's the first thing that came to my no, mind. No, hey, I, you know, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me, brother. You know, but uh, but I'll tell you, that, that's a good question. Charlie Chapman? Yeah, I think I think that's a good question, and I think that uh, you should be able to yeah. find that one. But, but beware. Uh, boxing trivia answerers, beware, because I'm going to be giving you that other question that stumped your asses right after somebody gets this one. One more time. Remember, you got to email me. Because we'll go by the timestamps. If you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, with the answer to this question, you will win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. What former pro boxer went to Hollywood and became one of the Keystone Cops? Good luck to everybody on that one. And finally, Sal, on this day, October 16th in 1900, Matty Matthews wins a 15-round decision over Rube Ferns uh, to win the world welterweight title. It took place in uh, Detroit. On this day in 1976, Samuel Serrano wins a 15-round decision over Ben Villa. Uh, I'm sorry, over Ben Villaflor. You know, sometimes I can't even read my own writing. Over Ben Villaflor uh, to win the WBA World Junior Lightweight title took place in San Juan, Puerto Rico. On this day in 1970, Chuco Castillo knocks out Ruben Olivares in the 14th round to win the World Bantamweight title took place in California. On this day... In uh, 1976, Wilfredo Benitez uh, knocks out Tony Petronoli in the third round to retain his WBA Junior Welterweight title, not to place in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, on the same card as Samuel Serrano, uh, beating uh, Ben Villaflor. On this day in 1909, one of the best ever, one of my favorites of all time, Jack Johnson knocks out Stanley Ketchell in the 12th round to retain his World Heavyweight title. It took place in uh, Colma, California. And on this day, October 16th in 1987, another one of my favorite fighters of all time, another Hall of Famer, my man, Iron Mike Tyson, knocks out Terrell Biggs in the seventh round to retain the world and the WBC, WBA, and IBF 
World Heavyweight titles at Convention Hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Could you have held on to more titles than Mike Tyson had around his waist in 1987? Uh, great fighter. Love him. But uh, anyway, Sal, we are not doing a live show tomorrow. But, but, <laughs> and here comes the but. But we but. will be back on <laughs> Wednesday. With the but. There's the but. We will be back on Wednesday. So make sure you tune in. Wednesday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.